Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. In the previous program, I was explaining the conversation that was taking place between the Lord Jesus and the man who's known as the rich young ruler. The man came to the Lord Jesus to ask him what must he do in order to obtain eternal life. In Matthew chapter 19, beginning in verse 16, it says, Now behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? So he said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good, but one that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments, which of course is consistent with the ministry of the Lord Jesus, that during this time in history... The Old Covenant was in effect. The New Covenant did not go into effect until after Jesus died and rose from the dead. The only message that was being communicated to people was obey the commandments, keep the commandments, observe the law. And of course, the reason for that is so that a person will eventually come to the point of discovering that they have a need for the forgiveness and mercy of God because there is no way that they are going to fulfill those requirements then they are ready to be recipients of the new covenant. The old covenant will have done its work, it will have done its job, it will have fulfilled its purpose, or the Lord will have fulfilled his purpose through the use of the old covenant, which is to drive a person to the point of absolute despair, not to teach someone how to live, although certainly if people could live that way, we would have the maximum opportunity to have peace and happiness in the flesh and the world that we are a part of, but... In this case, what I want you to see is that the Lord Jesus tells him the truth. He tells the man, listen, if you want to try and do something, do this. Here you go. You can do this. Now, the man speaks to the Lord Jesus and calls him a good teacher. The Lord Jesus responds and asks him, why do you call me good? No one is good, but one that is God. Now, I personally believe that this is a wonderful opportunity for the man to respond and say, well then, I guess you are God. And you know what? Jesus is God, manifested in the flesh. And so to me, this was an indirect way that the Lord Jesus spoke to the man and said, listen, do you really know who I am? Do you really believe in who I am? Do you really understand what you are saying? Do you understand what I am saying? If the man would have acknowledged the Lord Jesus for who he really was, he would have done whatever the Lord Jesus told him to do, to the best of his ability, of course. I don't think he would have walked away. He may have identified the Lord Jesus as a good teacher, but he would not really have seen him as the Messiah that I believe he could have seen him as. So the Lord Jesus gives him an indirect opportunity to recognize him for who he is in this conversation. But I'm going to go ahead and proceed. He goes on and he says, in verse 18, the man says to him, which ones, 
Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery. He goes through many of the commandments that we know are listed in what is known as the Ten Commandments. In verse 20, the young man said to him, all these things I have kept from my youth. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect. Now think about that for just a moment. The Lord Jesus acknowledges that the man has fulfilled those requirements to an extent at least. He doesn't confront the man and say, no, you didn't. You didn't obey these since your youth. You're a liar and the truth is not in you. He doesn't respond in that way. There are other times when he responds to people in that way. In this case, he says, listen, if you really want to be perfect, if you really want to achieve that, then let's add this to the list. Go and just give everything you have to the poor. Now, of course, there is no law that says that he has to do that. In fact, that would be in partial contradiction of the law, which I will explain in a few minutes, for him to just give everything away if you understand what the result will be if you are obedient to all of these commandments. And I'll explain this in a few minutes. But for now, what I'd like you to consider is this word perfect that the Lord Jesus uses in this context, in this translation, of course. This word perfect, to me, is very similar, or the usage of this word or this term is very similar to what he proclaimed when he was presenting his message in the Sermon on the Mount. When he taught his sermon on the mount, he said the same thing. Be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. He had a lot to say about that. I have a lot to say about that. I did a whole series on the subject of the sermon on the mount. Listen to that series. It's very important to look at it from that point of view. That the Lord Jesus was saying, be as perfect as God. Be as perfect as God. So if you're going to be perfect, and of course God is the one who defines what perfection is, if you're going to do that, then let's add this to the list, which of course creates a conflict, and I'll explain that in just a moment. So what I want you to see is that the Lord responds, he responds with some subtle statements that I believe have a lot within them. He says a lot with very few words in response to this man. He doesn't assault the man. He doesn't speak to the man in a condemning way. He did that when he spoke to other people, very religious people. But in this case, because of the way that he speaks to the man, I would suggest that there really is some sincerity that the Lord Jesus sees. He sees some sincerity in this man's efforts, in this man's desire that he really does want to have eternal life, and he really is willing to give a lot. Now, at the end of the previous program, I explained that just because you give all of your riches or all your wealth to the poor doesn't mean that you're helping them. It doesn't mean that you are engaged in a loving act. You might actually cause harm to them because you are perhaps enabling them. You're giving them a way to avoid doing work for example, because you provide them with resources, with money, with things that they can use and consume without being involved in producing more than what they consume. And so it may not be a loving act. You may not be loving your neighbor as yourself by enabling dysfunction, which does happen. 
There are people who are rich who are like this. There are people who are poor who are like this. It has nothing to do with whether a person is rich or poor. But in general, you will find that there is a higher percentage of people who are poor, and that could be one of the reasons why. Now, the living God himself, he doesn't give everything. I mean, if the Lord Jesus says that this is the standard for perfection, well, the Lord doesn't just give everything that he has. I mean, he did, to a certain extent, consider the world, right? I mean, he created the world, and he gave it to us. And, of course, he does intervene at times, but he gave us the world that we have, and we have water, and we have land, and we have trees, and we have rocks, and we have all kinds of resources that we can use. Now, of course, we fight with each other over these resources, so there certainly is a lot of conflict, but the Lord did give us a lot, at least temporarily. He's not going to allow us to live here forever, but consider the things in heaven. Consider the things in a spiritual realm, in the spiritual world, which is the eternal space, the eternal existence. There are things. Now, I do not know the details concerning these things. We have hints concerning what these things are. The Lord speaks about the riches, the treasures that you would have in heaven. He has spoken about having a place in heaven. You might have a mansion or a place where you can reside, where you can exist. There is the indication that there are other beings. There may be animals there. We have a lot that we can refer to in order to suggest that there is more that the living God has that he could give if he wanted to. But he has established criteria. He has established conditions. Again, The living God has established conditions that define when and how a person will be able to have anything that he has in an eternal sense. This world, of course, is a temporary existence. It is a temporary world. And so we can certainly enjoy it now, but it's not eternal. When we look at the eternal things, the living God, he doesn't just give these things freely. He does give them freely under certain conditions. Those conditions have to do with, will you recognize that you have a need for salvation? This man could see that. Will you recognize that you have a need for forgiveness? This man may not have truly seen that because he is suggesting that he is obedient to God and so perhaps he is not ready for the mercy or the forgiveness of God because he doesn't really see his need for it. Those are conditions that we have to meet, that we have to understand if we are going to be the recipients of the free gift of eternal life. It is free, but only under these circumstances, under the circumstance of acknowledging the truth. So the Lord himself could be evaluated according to this definition, and we could suggest that he is not perfect if we were to use this definition that I just explained, he has to give away everything to everyone in order to be defined as perfect. I don't think that's the case. I believe that the living God manifested in the flesh as the Lord Jesus was speaking to the man in a way that he could understand to say, listen, I want you to give up everything that's physical in this sense. And in that way, I will create a definition to say that you will achieve perfection. But the thing that you also need to understand is that it is not possible I am giving you conditions that are impossible. 
so that you will see that with men all things are impossible, which is what he says. He said that to his disciples when the man left, because the man did not quite understand the impossible situation that he was in, in the way that the Lord Jesus wanted him to understand his situation. Now, consider the conversation with his disciples. The Lord Jesus says in verse 23, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Assuredly, I say to you, that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. In verse 24, And again I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? Now, listen to that question for just a moment. Who then can be saved? The disciples were astonished because he said a rich man could not go to heaven, or it was impossible. The disciples were not asking him, well then, can a poor person be saved? They were making the indirect assumption that if you are poor, you obviously cannot be saved. You have to become rich, because if you don't become rich, then you're not going to meet certain criteria that is defined in the law, which I'll read to you in just a moment, You're not going to meet that criteria. You're not going to have that validation, which is what riches were recognized as. They were recognized as validation. And so if a rich man can't do it, then no one can. Because that validation shows that the man who is rich is the one who is obedient to God. Now, that can be a very awkward statement if you can consider the asceticism, or if you can consider the way that people have defined or how they have considered Christianity for the last 2,000 years, that in many ways people have suggested that in order to be holy, you have to be poor. And so for me to say in order to be holy, you have to be rich, or in order to be perfect, that is the complete opposite of what has been communicated for centuries. And so I understand that. I believe that this confusion comes from a misunderstanding of the law, or more correctly, a failure to study the law. If you know the law, then you will know a number of things. You'll recognize a number of things that are inherently expressed here that are not explained directly, because I believe during the time when this was written, especially the Gospel of Matthew, when he wrote this to the people there in Israel, I believe that he wrote to the Jews primarily, those who were speaking Hebrew in the region of Israel, when he spoke to them, he spoke to them using words and using terms that they would understand. There are some subtle things here that he is making assumptions about. He is making assumptions about what the people would have known. Now, of course, there is another Example in Mark, there is another example in Luke concerning this story, and so I can't say this exclusively, that necessarily this was written exclusively to the Jews and not to anybody else, because Luke wrote this. But I believe that if you have a poor understanding of the law, you're not going to be able to embrace the fullness of what is expressed here. In the law, the Lord told the people that if you obey the commandments, you will be blessed. And the way that you will be blessed will be recognized, it will be defined by the riches, the wealth 
that you have. The riches and the wealth will become validations. They will become your credentials to say that you are obedient to God. If you fail to obey the commandments, God is going to intervene and he is going to curse you. He is going to make sure that you do not have riches. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, beginning in verse 1, he said, Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you, because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face, They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and in all to which you set your hand, and he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. He goes on and he speaks about all kinds of blessings that will overtake you, and then he follows up and says that if you fail to obey, then you will be cursed. This is the law. So when the rich young ruler approached Jesus and he declared that he was obedient to God and the Lord did not confront him so much about that, you have to understand that he came to the Lord with credentials. He came to the Lord with validation, with evidence to show that he was obedient to God. He was obedient to the law. Those were his credentials That was the evidence of his holiness. So when the Lord Jesus spoke to the man and told him to give it all away, this is what he was telling him. He was telling him to give away the evidence of his holiness. Give away the credentials of his holiness. Give away all that he has that shows that he is obedient to God. Now, of course, this could be quite embarrassing for the man before a lot of other people because they would look at him and say, you know what, we think that you were really cursed by God or that you simply don't have an appreciation for what God gave you. I mean, people could say all kinds of things. The man himself would be in a very awkward position personally because if he believes the law, if he believes the law, how is he going to believe that he is obedient and holy before God without the riches. He's put in a situation, whereas if he does not give away all that he has, he's not going to be declared perfect as the Lord Jesus has declared that he would be defined as being perfect. But if he gives his stuff away, he no longer has any evidence that he's perfect. The Lord Jesus put him in an impossible scenario, an impossible situation. This is what is going on here in this conversation. So when the disciples say, who then can be saved? What they are saying is, is that if we cannot have 
the evidence that would be given by God that a person is obedient to the commandments, then we have no way of knowing for sure. We have no way of knowing that the person is obedient or not. We, we have no way of determining that. And so we have no way of determining how a person can be saved. And the Lord Jesus says, that's right. It is impossible. Not only is it impossible to determine that, but it is impossible to be saved anyway. Outside of the mercy and forgiveness of God, which is what was revealed later on. So this is the conversation. The conversation is simple. The Lord Jesus puts the man in a circumstance such that the only thing he can do is walk away. I mean, we look at the man and we say, look at this poor guy, you know, he just simply won't believe Jesus. He won't believe Jesus. He won't receive eternal life. Maybe his riches are worth so much to him. His wealth is worth so much to him that he's not willing to give it up in order to obtain eternal life. I don't see that. What I see is, is that the Lord creates a contradiction so that the man can do nothing but walk away. What happens if he gives it all away and he's obedient? According to the law, the blessings are going to overtake him. They're going to come after him. He's going to have more, more in the flesh, not just in heaven, but now he's going to have more. He's going to have to get rid of it because he's no longer going to be perfect. In this way, God would intervene to give him wealth and riches to ensure that he would never be declared perfect even if he did give it all away. Even if he did give it all away, he's going to get more. The Lord is going to overtake him if he's in the city or if he's in the country. It won't matter where he's at. Blessings are just going to fall out of heaven and land in front of his face and it's going to be his and he's going to have to spend his entire life giving it away, giving it away, giving it away. He's never going to be able to have a moment of peace. He's never going to be able to have a moment of rest in perfection because the Lord is going to keep blessing him to make sure that he can never, ever Look to the Lord Jesus or look to the living God and say, I am perfect according to your definition, according to your instruction. I have accomplished that. Give me eternal life. The man is put in an impossible scenario. All he can do is walk away. And so don't be too quick to judge this man. Look at the way the disciples handled this circumstance, how the disciples handled this conversation. They said, who then can be saved? In that sense, they are saying, look, we can't be saved because we're poor, which demonstrates that we're not obedient to God. This man can't be saved because he's rich, which demonstrates that he is obedient to God. But you say he's not quite obedient enough. If he does that one extra thing, he's going to have to give up the evidence. I mean, this is impossible. And yet people will continually try to make the impossible possible in some way. They come up with all kinds of justifications, all kinds of schemes. They go through all kinds of gymnastics in order to try to make the impossible possible. Why? So they can keep their law. So they can keep their law in their lives because that is the way that people define their lives in religion. The religious people define their lives according to the law. Consider the religious people that you know, 
You know religious people who are like this. What are their credentials that show? What is the evidence that shows their salvation? The evidence that shows their salvation may not be riches today because we have stories like this that people interpret in different ways. They use different forms of evidence. Things like they go to church every Sunday and maybe every Wednesday too. They're on staff as a volunteer in the congregation or with some ministry. They're involved in service projects of some kind. They do good works. They find ways of restraining their flesh and publicly proclaim that they do it because they love God. There are all kinds of things that people do that they are not going to be willing to give up because it is the evidence of their salvation. They would rather keep their law than follow Jesus. The Lord Jesus spoke to the man and he said, give it all up. Give up the law, give up your riches, give up everything, and follow me. It's not when he gives those things up that he has eternal life. It's when he follows Jesus that he has eternal life. Whether he has those things or not, it's when he follows Jesus. What you have, what you do, has nothing to do with your eternal life. It is when you follow Jesus that you have eternal life. The Lord spoke to this man and defined a disconnect between the things of the world and the things of heaven. He also defines a disconnect today in terms of the differences between the things in religion and the things in the life of Christ according to the new covenant that we live in right now. The criteria for eternal life has always been following Jesus. But the things of the law have always been a distraction. They've always been a temptation. They've always been a stumbling block. And they always will be. Because the criteria for salvation that the Lord has established is criteria based on forgiveness and mercy, not obedience, not repentance. There is a complete disconnect between the two. And that is the message that the Lord Jesus expresses to this man who is sincere in asking the Lord Jesus what he must do. But he must believe what the Lord Jesus says about the impossibility of living your life that way, of thinking that way, of trying to enter into a relationship with God that way. There is another way, but this is not it. It is defined by the new covenant. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net